and welcome to episode Trace of the Grave Consequences podcast. I am one half of this podcasting duo. I am Caleb B, and that is where you can follow me on Twitter. Please follow the podcast on Twitter at GC underscore cast. And uh, I am joined, as always, by the man known as Maserati. Maz, how are you, my man? Tired, man. I'm glad work's over for this week. Uh, I could go for another holiday week, but you know how it is. You know what refresh it though, man? Like all all sorts of hecticness, hectic things going on around me this past week, and being able to watch this forty five minutes of Lucha Underground and being able to talk about it here uh, just brightened up my uh, days. To be completely honest with you, because this was a great episode of Lucha Underground, the first great one in my back. opinion. Yeah, I mean it's refreshing yeah. to go back. I, like I it, I watched it last night. At first, I was like, "Ugh, I don't feel like watching it, you know." But I gotta do it before tomorrow. But as I'm watching it, I'm like, "This was a good choice." Yeah, and you can tell where there's certain things where, like, they were still finding their footing because there's certain things that they did on this episode that, like, they and it's small things, but like they change it up, man. Like we'll talk about it during the Mil Muertes match, for example. Uh, spoiler alert! I get, but you know, we're gonna hear about that in a few minutes anyway. But man. Starting off in a big way, we got a vignette with uh, Conan and El Jefe, Dario Cueto, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct, yep. They uh, even yeah, and basically... The, the border that you were talking about in the first episode, I think you were talking about. They bring that up yes. right away. Yeah, absolutely. Those were, those were not kayfabe for the show. Those were very real. And uh, Dario said, well, you know, these luchadors, you say they're going to carry the league. But guess what? The, these three guys you're talking about tonight, they're going to face each other. So, by the way, we don't know who these guys are until the main event. So, uh, just getting that built up in our mind, I was like, okay, well, you're like, I feel like Phoenix is one of them, but I don't know. And oh, it's a whole, like, you're... He, he did name drop them. <laughs> oh, he did, actually? Pardon me. Yeah, yeah, and he, he, it's, like, really slight. He's, like, he even says, like, Drago, Phoenix, and then uh, Pentagon. Like, it's, it's funny because he says Phoenix. Like, he says Phoenix kind of weird. I remember that. Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a Spanish enunciation, I suppose. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm white, so I wouldn't know. Uh, I feel like the next thing after this, at least the next thing in my notes, was Dario in the ring uh, talking about, oh, not enough lucha, not enough lucha. And his like his mimic when he said that was just hilarious, man. It, you're right. That was in that next segment. Uh, there was a little line by Vampiro talking about how Blue Damon Jr. is in the hospital and it'll be fine. But that was it. It cut right to him coming out the office. And uh, it's really cool how his office is right by the ring. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I like that. And they, they play into that throughout the season as, or throughout the series as well. Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. Quite a few times. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, even later on in this season, there is a, a certain match between a couple of luchadors where uh, maybe someone goes through a hole in something. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but it's basically... Yes. Uh, basically, Dario uh, mocks the crowd and he's mocking their affinity for Lucha with El Mariachi Loco. He says, well, you know, this guy is in a mariachi band. He works at a Mexican restaurant a block down the street. He's blah, blah, blah. He's like spitting in the face of Lucha. <laughs> it was funny, though. Mm -hmm. It was, especially because um, the the guy who comes out and I forgot just how over he was in the temple. But he was over from Jump Street, like from the second he got like from the second the crowd could see him, he was over. Masquerita Sagrada 
the like the the most over mini I've probably ever seen in wrestling before. Is it mini or tiny? What, what are they calling them a mini? Mini, yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, it, uh, by it, the way, was, the uh, I guess the politically correct term is little person for the uninitiated, but but either way. I, I'm assuming it's PC. Let's assume that anything they say is PC, so don't get mad at us. I don't know. I mean, Matt Stryker's on there, so I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't guarantee that. <laughs> That's true. What did he get in trouble for? Uh, he's just kind of, he's kind of outspoken. Okay. He's never Fair been enough. in any big trouble, but he's always been in like little scuffles here and there. Yeah, but I remember. I, I, like, I like the start of this match where uh, Mariachi Loco is on his knees, just, you know, teasing Masquerita, and Masquerita immediately just kicks him right in the side of the head. It was good. Yes. Yeah. Masquerita, uh, e- uh, EML, as I wrote him down in my notes, missed a moonsault. Masquerita hit a tornado DDT, which was really impressive. And then he he w- looked like he was going to go for another one, which, by the way, t- the tornado DDT got it too. He immediately like set up like he was going to go for another one, but he kept uh, Mariachi Loco in the choke and uh, pinned him off of a small package off of that. Uh not a lot of time to celebrate, unfortunately, because Chavo Guerrero came out immediately, kicked the mini, and Vampiro laughed so hard at that he loved it. Of course he did. He loved it, man. He's like, man, I didn't know what to think of Chavo until like last week, but I love him now. And there was a weird thing about that finish. Stryker said it was a Darce choke that he had him in, but it looked just like it was just a uh, uh, it looked like a, a plain chokehold, man. Yeah, it looked like a just like a a chokehold with a guillotine. It didn't. It, I mean, I'm not a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy, but usually the Darce choke, I believe, involves a shoulder. I could be wrong, so don't get mad if, if I'm wrong. But it just looked like a guillotine choke. Uh, but whatever. And uh, get ready for even more Chavo Guerrero because we immediately cut to a Chavo Guerrero interview. He basically spins this interview saying he's doing things his way now. He spent enough time doing things the Guerrero way, you know, doing things to please his family, his relatives, all this, that, and the other. But he's he's talking about he's burying the crap out of Blue Damon Jr. He says he's living off someone else's legacy. He's, you know, not doing it on his own, blah, blah, blah. This is big time projection from Chavo Guerrero, and I loved it. Was Vampire, did you think that Vampiro was being kind of like, I felt like he was burying Chavo because he was calling Chavo. Oh, like a absolutely. Punk yeah. Vampiro, absolutely. That's Vampiro's oh. interview style on this show. Dude, what rewatching these episodes, I'm like really thinking like, man, Vampiro is very uh, unprofessional. I mean, these are wrestlers like he's old school where he's going to bury everyone else. Uh, but like he, he, calling the, the main heel at this point in the show, yeah. calling the main heel, uh, you know, a punk to his face and saying, and, and as the interviewer, like normally the interviewer should get like attacked. And the fact that Chavo didn't really respond and didn't like attack him or even get angry at him for calling him a punk was kind of like, I feel like it undercut everything Chavo said. I was like, all right, well, you're kind of a punk because you're not doing anything about Vampiro, you know, right there. He's, you uh, know, don't worry. Vampiro will get his man. He will, but it's just, I I think that uh, Vampiro is awful here. <laughs> yeah. And I hope you like even more Chavo Guerrero, because we immediately cut to Chavo Guerrero uh, su- 
presumably leaving the interview, he's confronted by Conan. Conan, like, initiates, like, by hugging him, you know, saying, like, yeah, you're familia, you're blah, blah, blah. He's like, hey, just so you know, Mexico's coming for you. They heard about what you did to Blue Damon, and they're going to hear about what you did to Mascarita. So they're coming for you. And this will be, like, this will be a key part of season one as well. Yeah. There's stories are long term and they set up, they set things up and they they give them time to cook and then they pay off. And it's throughout, sometimes it bleeds into multiple seasons. There's quite a few story arcs that are like from season one, episode one, all the way to the end. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, out of the frying pan into the fire, Chavo turns around. He's immediately stare, like immediately turns Mil Muertes is staring a hole through him. I would have shit myself. Yeah, I would have uh, done a lot worse than that. Um, <laughs> Katrina says, um, Katrina then warns him, basically says like, hey, you took from Mil what was rightfully his. And don't worry, you're going to pay for that. Someday, what did he take, though? Somehow. I don't understand that. Uh, he just got some licks on Blue Damon. Yeah, it was, this. if you notice in this segment, uh, every person that came up to Chavo came from like in front of him. And then as mm-hmm. they passed him, he turned around. And every time he turned back, somebody knew was in front of him. Like when Mill left, he 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 followed him with his head and he turned around. And then Katrina was in front of him. And I was thinking, like, how many times can they do a segment where this guy turns around <laughs> and then when he cur- turns back, there's someone new? It like it should just go through the whole roster of just yeah. him turning into people. <laughs> I was going to say, I might have laughed if he turned around and Sexy Star was in front of him. <laughs> I mean, they could have done it, and I would have loved it, but it probably would have been yeah. terrible to me. Yeah, absolutely. So we uh, go from the Chavo Guerrero show to the Mil Muertes show, sort of, because we immediately get a vignette on Mil Muertes um, uh, narrated, narr- narrated. I can't even talk today, man. Why are we doing a podcast right now? Um, choice. <laughs> narrated by Katrina. And uh, she explains, like, you know, the, what was the date? It was something in 1985. It was a big Mexican earthquake. I don't remember the exact date, but uh, it's, it I think it's like based on a real October event. October something, 1985, I believe. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. Earthquake with a 7.1 magnitude that, that killed his entire family. By the way, points if you uh, wrote down Mil Muertes' uh, name as a child pre-earthquake. I didn't write anything down because I was hoping you took notes in this part. <laughs> I did. I did, but I was just going to throw you some bonus points there, man. Uh, his yeah. name pre-earthquake was Pascual Mendoza. Okay. Yeah. Not as cool as no so, Marcos, but... No, not nearly as cool. Like, not nearly as cool as your name literally meaning a thousand deaths. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He rose from the ashes as Mil Muertes, and Katrina warns us that a thousand deaths are coming. We cut to, already in the ring, Ricky Mandel, who uh, will become a lot more in this show as the uh, show uh, carries on. But right now, he's just uh, already in the ring from Venice Beach, California, Ricky Mandel. And we are immediately joined by Mil Muertes, and... um, Ricky Mandel should have ran immediately. He I got one hope spot. He, he got one hope spot that was immediately snuffed out. Oh, at one point, by the way, Katrina gets involved in a way that is not like her throughout the rest of the show, like the rest of the series. Like she tripped up Ricky. Like she doesn't do that ever again that I remember. 
Uh, I think she interrupts a lot of of uh, Lisa's matches, but yeah. no, I, she might use a rock on somebody. The rock that's important to Mill. She might have hit Phoenix with that. She does interfere a little bit, but uh, she doesn't she interfere in that way where she's just doing the like typical WWE thing where she's tripping oh. someone, you know. And she shouldn't have really done it in this match either because it's you know Mill yeah. was going to anyway. My favorite spot yeah, was no, uh, going to win anyway. Well, when Ricky got on the, the turnbuckle and he was going to do a hope spot, he was going to do that top rope move, and Mill just slugs him with a right hand. <laughs> coming Dude, down, knocks the shit out. It was out so badass. It was. Oh, by the way, I didn't write it down last week, and I can't believe we overlooked it, but last week, just going back real quick, when uh, Chavo Guerrero hit Sexy Star with the chair, the crowd's chanting, what the fuck? I've literally never heard a crowd chant that before. Um, I'm trying to think if I have. I've Not in I- wrestling, I mean. Maybe, yeah. I, I could have sworn that's happened before, but I'm, now I can't think of anything. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, so, that aside, Amorethes wins with, you guessed it, a flatliner, a sick flatliner, by the way. Katrina mm-hmm. comes in, and uh, I believe she licks Ricky's face, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. There um, we go. The one part that was interesting and, was, uh, you know, Jr. got in trouble for the thing with Anna J in AEW. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. funny because uh, when did this come out, Lucha Underground? What year? 2016? Uh, November 2014. 2014. Uh, Stryker made mm-hmm. a comment about uh, Katrina where she was banging on the, uh, the apron. He was like, please uh-huh. keep doing that. And you know why yeah. he was saying that. And if he had of said course. that today, yeah. it would have been... been Ooh. Uh, yeah. Ooh, Lucha Underground <laughs> would be off the air. It would be. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, there was another striker quote, by the way. After she licked that? Ricky. After she licked Ricky, striker said, uh, does that turn anyone else on? Yes, yeah. And I think Vampiro, of all people, called him a, a sick puppy. But <laughs> Vampiro, you, Vampiro is the kind of person where if he talks, don't listen. Unless it's entertaining. <laughs> but don't like use it as like advice or as input to make any of your decisions. Because he just says... It's not even lies. He just says almost random shit. Yeah, absolutely, man. So after that, we go back from commercial. Uh, Johnny Mundo is trying to get to El Jefe's office. But of course, Cortez Castro and Mr. Cisco are out um, in front of it. Mundo fights them off to get to Dario. And uh, in there, Mundo says, like, hey, you know, I, I just want to match with uh, I want to match with Big Rick. And, and Dario says, well, you know what? You got it. Next week, main event. Which, by the way, this is the first match they are announcing a week ahead of time. The history of Lucha Underground. And I even wrote down in my notes that I love the fact that and they'll, they'll continue going down this route, but they'll set up a match for next week. And I don't know NXT does this, but I love it when a show that's gives a match time to like to cook. You know, yeah. they, they they don't just give it to you right away. Like he does sometimes. Like if they're fighting in the ring, he'll be like, "Okay, okay, have you have a match real quick." Like last week with uh, Puma and. Uh, Johnny Mundo and the crew. But I love the fact that it's like, okay, like it's realistic. And he's a booker and he's a great authority figure because he tries to give people what they want. He's not just trying to screw over the good guy for no reason. Like he actually wants people to come into his crowd. That's why he wants violence. That's why he sets up the matches he does. Not just because he's an asshole, because he is that. I mean, he is, yeah. But he also like, he's like, I want entertainment. And I love yeah. that element that makes him it makes him a real authority figure. Like, yeah, he's a jerk, but he's trying to make people come to his fight club for money. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. So, oh, by the way, Johnny Mundo says, hey, when I'm done with Rick, you're next. So uh, that that's a nice little warning there for Mundo. And Dario looked rightfully scared. Yeah, the crew didn't help him out at all. They were trash. <laughs> they were, yeah, they were trashed outside. They were, they were already taken care of. Oh, by the way, next up, Big Rick goes to El Jefe. He says he doesn't fight for free. He gets one stack of cash. Uh, then he, you know, reiterates like, hey, you know, give me a little more. <laughs> the stack of cash nearly doubles in size then. Puma v- uh, vignette, I wrote down, fought all his life. This is kind of like all the other Prince Puma vignettes from what I remember. I yeah, I didn't even take notes because it was literally it, the same thing. It didn't really stick out. But yeah, yeah, it is just, you know, they're just kind of, you know, I feel like they're not beating you over the head with it necessarily, but they are letting you like, you know, just keep reminding you like, hey, you know, Prince Puma's here. Prince Puma is still here. Yeah, he's still here. He hasn't left yet. He's been here for yeah. three weeks. <laughs> he's he's like the Poochie of Lucha Underground. Um, <laughs> all right. And uh, I'm going to talk to you about the main event. But first, a word from our sponsor. Support for the Grave Consequences podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents millions of balls are about to be nick free thanks to manscapes advanced skin safe technology manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past when i tell you this is premium i mean premium the battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave the water resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower oh boy one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you are listening to me speak right now, I beg you, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off and free shipping with code SUPLEX at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Once again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code SUPLEX at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code SUPLEX. All righty. Time for the main event. The first ever triple threat in Lucha Underground history. We are joined first from Inframundo, Drago. Sick tongue, by the way, man. I always love that tongue thing that he does, man. Is it made of candy or something? Like, I always think I it's like one of those don't. stretchy hands or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, someone, I think it was Stryker named drop Gene Simmons, by the way, in that segment yes. <laughs> during his entrance. Um, next up, we hear the uh, velvety, uh, velvety song of... Uh, I don't know why I describe a song as velvety, but anyway, Plus, we heard saxophone. Yeah, we heard Thrill Switch by Cut One, which means uh, one thing Pentagon Jr. Oh boy, folks, 
if you've never watched Lucha Underground before and you're taking this journey with us, you're going to love Pentagon Jr. And his look is very interesting when he first appeared. And it's changed yeah. drastically. Yeah. I feel like he's slimmed down since then. Because, like, back in 2014, like, he was bulky. Like, he wasn't fat, but he had some bulk to him, for sure. I think it's the the costume because it's it looks like a it, frankly it, it looks like a, like a Sub Zero or Mortal Kombat ninja almost. Yeah, I mean I think it's directly yeah. influencing his outfit, but um, yeah, he changes it and it becomes more flattering. I think over time. Absolutely. And last but definitely not least, we have Ray Phoenix, or as he's known in Lucha Underground, just Phoenix. So. Mm-hmm. Just by these three names alone, I knew this match was going to be insane. I even texted you in the group chat. I said, this main event is a banger. I sent you that before the match had even started. I believe you. I mean, you weren't wrong. Yeah. Man, I wrote down Pentagon is bulky, but that fucker can fly. And yes, he can. He can fly and he can chop the shit out of your chest, too. Mm -hmm. Starts early. Like the, and, the whole thing with him going quiet and then doing it, it's from the first match. He gets the crowd to be quiet and he chops the shit out of Drago. Absolutely. Absolutely. By the way, early on in the match, we had one of the first ever. Of course, it's, you know, synonymous with the character now. Uh, even like, for example, I know you don't watch the NFL necessarily, but the tight end from the 49ers, George Kittle, even does the Cerro Miedo in <laughs> like in play. Like that's how over this has gotten. It's great. It is, man. It's amazing. Which, by the way, again, if you watch the show, you know the translation. But again, it means zero fear. And it's a it's a nice little nice little mantra for sure. I wrote down there was a springboard. Phoenix did a springboard cutter, by the way, which was insane. Everything that dude is in, does is insane. And yeah, he's one of the best wrestlers ever. And it, there were so many spots in this. I obviously didn't write them all down. Like the first no, one I wrote down was not. The, the first one was his 875 corkscrew twist off the top rope to them on the apron. That's what Vampiro called it. Yeah, he called it. You writing that like you even describing that just sounds insane. And that's the thing with matches like these. I'm not going to write all the notes down. I'm not going to give you all everything because if you haven't already, like ideally, I want you guys to see these matches for yourself. But if you haven't already, this is just further encouragement for it. Again, it's easy to find on YouTube. It's from November 12, 2014. It's this triple threat here in this main event. Oh, by the way, after Phoenix did his little cutter off the ropes to Pentagon, that was uh, the first time we got to see the commentary team really, like, visibly mark out, which is a common theme in Lucha Underground. Vampiro's jaw dropped, and he should be familiar (laughs) with the product, but his his jaw dropped, and Striker was like, I think he even said he was, like, uh, he was losing his mind, because the spots in this are incredible. I feel like I've seen Vampiro like leave, leave the commentary booth to go jog around the ring because of, because the spot was so awesome. He'll get up and he'll walk around because he, he'll take his headset off and just walk around because he's so hyped up. And yeah, it's great. It really is, man. <laughs> oh, was at one a... point, Phoenix goes all the way up to the steps. I'm like, what the hell is he doing up there? And then I'm like, oh, he's probably doing some sort of flippy shit that I'll love later for sure. Oh, as soon as he started going up the steps, I was like, oh, crap, we're going to have a, a dive already. Um, yeah. And he goes up to the top, like above Dario's office. And of course, he dies. Yeah. Onto, the, um, onto his waiting opponents. 
Yeah, and there was some there was some elements of people waiting and helping each other with moves, and that, you know they, they're that, getting up. That will always be. Yeah, that will always be my one gripe with Lucha in general, and I, I love Lucha Underground, but that'll always be my one gripe is there will be a lot of times where the bases are like they just seem like they're kind of waiting, like they're counting uh, counting squares on the tile or something. Yeah, and 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 if you, if you if you're being fair, there there is some of that in this, and it's because they're they are switching styles from triple a mm-hmm. to to like a more american version of lucha but it's still great it's just it's not going to be uh it's not going to hold up to like a perfect match where there's none of that um yeah and there was even a part where uh striker being striker he referenced tanahashi when pentagon does the switchblade night i don't think i've seen pentagon do the switchblade in a while i, I saw it and i was like oh yeah he used to do this move have yeah. you noticed him doing that in aew because i don't think i have Man, I I have not. I really haven't. Maybe we're crazy, but like I could have sworn it's been a while <laughs> I, that he's done it. I mean, it's not a bad thing or a good thing. It's just it's interesting that he's he had this move. It was his move, and he used it a lot. But now it's just I'm not seeing it much. Yeah, listeners, feel free to chime in if we are missing anything. But oh, by the way, Phoenix gets the win off of a freaking huge Frankenstein,er a poison rana reverse. Um, Hurricane Rana. Is that, this is not after, the same thing as, is that not the same thing as a Frankensteiner? I thought a Frankensteiner was just a Hurricane Rana. I could be mistaken, but I, I sure thought like a Frankenstein. Uh, I don't know. Either way. Here's the either way, thing, it was awesome. The internet is what it was. Yeah, yeah, the internet will tell us it's wrong. Yes. Well, it started with a... Uh, the first thing was Pentagon doing a package pile driver, pile driver on Drago. And then mm-hmm. Drago uh, gets hit with Phoenix, who does a Samoan driver on him. I, that's the only name I know of that move. And then yeah. when uh, Phoenix gets up, he manages to counter a move by Pentagon, and then he hits Pentagon with the Poison Rana, which is yeah. one of my favorite moves ever. Absolutely. I wrote it down as a Frankensteiner, but apparently I was wrong. Either way, I loved it. We get a couple of minutes of Phoenix celebrating, but that is not the end of the show, folks, because... We get a vignette featuring El Jefe, Dario Cueto. Uh, never never can have enough of Dario, to be completely honest with you. He's like between cages or something. And he's like, oh, Mundo Mundo thinks he's, you know, got one over on me. And this, that, and the other is like, man, I, I, I'm not afraid of anyone. Not even you. And we hear some something growling. And uh, folks, we're going to find out who, who or what that is one day. But... Um, not going to tell you yet if you're not initiated. Going to let you find out on your own. Yeah, he's like talking about being scared, and it's all stemming from Johnny Mundo threatening him mm-hmm. and saying, you know, he can't threaten me. Nothing scares me, not even you. Mm-hmm. Looking at the wall and insinuating there's someone on the other side. Which, which by the way, what it is, it should scare, scare Dario. It should, yeah. Dario's crazy. And I, I think eventually we hear his backstory, or maybe it's done in the comic, but. Uh, Everyone on this show is messed up. <laughs> yeah. Or a demon. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, folks, that was the show. Folks, we are not alone here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. There are plenty of other great shows on here. None as great as ours, of course. But we have on this lineup a bivy of great shows, including 8-Bit Suplex, Suplex, hosted by Sandy Gaviria and Josh McLaughlin, even though he hates me for some reason. We also have All Things Elite, hosted by Austin S. and my boy, my fellow Oki, Floyd Johnson Jr., 
Again, that's all things elite. That covers AEW, and it does it in a damn good way. We got Get in the Ring, DJ Cooks, great host. Also, he hosts a show called The Great Match Generator. And I believe uh, once or twice you've been on that show, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Greg? I was on the first one. We've also got Grown Men Watch This Shit. Again, that's James Vanderbeek and Chris Bryant. Two great guys, in my opinion. Another show, uh, New Japan-centric, Keeping It Strong Style, hosted by Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh Smith. A couple of great guys, in my opinion. Lo- loads of great people on this network, if you if you notice the theme. Also, of course, we got the OGs of Social Suplex. We got One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd every sunday on the network we've also got the ricky and clive wrestling show last but not least i love those guys they're my homies from scotland ricky you are one handsome devil and you guys put on a great podcast and always remember to listen to the grave consequences podcast or there will be grave consequences